Buffett Buffet. A look into the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Hello everyone, welcome to Industry Focus Financials Edition. Today is May 2nd, 2016. For our new listeners, Industry Focus is an investment-centered show that deep dives into a different sector every day of the week. And it's Monday, so it's Financials Day. Uh, Listen tomorrow for Consumer Goods, Wednesday for Healthcare, Energy Thursdays, and Tech on Fridays. Welcome to the studio. My name is Gabby LaPera, and joining me today is Michael Douglas, our Financials Bureau Chief and Analyst Extraordinaire. I'm going to hop right into (laughs) it. He got to go to Berkshire Hathaway. Jealous? And you jealous? I'm so jealous. Well, but I hear it's the Woodstock of capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> that is a phrase many people use for it. Um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, this is kind of our our sneak peek into what you saw in Omaha. Um, I've actually already been to Omaha, so don't describe the city, just describe the meeting. <laughs> Very midwestern is is really the short answer for Omaha anyway, right? Sort of kind of spread out and it's so spread out and and not very tall, um, except for right in the center. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Berkshire Hathaway. Oh, let's start with this. Uh, if you are a new listener or a new investor, maybe you don't get what the big deal is about Berkshire Hathaway and Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. So, if you could give a little explanation as to that, I'm going to lower my chair because I think Chris Hill sat here last and I can't reach the ground. Um. That that wouldn't be so great. Yeah. And by the way, thanks for having me. This is this is fun. Uh, those have been here for a long time. Remember back in the day when I. Um, I would say did a, a much less good job of uh, hosting industry focused financials and healthcare. So uh, it's fun to be back uh, and see just how much things have changed since the cowboy days. Um, so Berkshire Hathaway, um, it's an insurance conglomerate, and before you fall asleep, um, it actually does a lot of other stuff too. Um, so essentially, this company owns a lot of brands that you know about, but that you've never thought were all owned by the same parent company. Um, and essentially, the way it does this is um, Berkshire, you know, is really focused on insurance, particularly with Geico, which you may have heard of um, as the low-cost uh, operator in auto insurance. Um, and uh, it takes the money that's thrown off by this and some other businesses to sort of purchase new businesses and also to purchase investments in other businesses from time to time. So Berkshire owns uh, brands that you may have heard of: Dairy Queen, Fruit of the Loom, um, Seize Candy. Um, BNSF, which is the the railroad company, big big uh, railroad railroad company, uh, Berkshire Hathaway Energy, um, and just a number of different companies, um, and that it wholly owns. Uh, most recently, Precision Cast Parts was a stock it picked up, um, and then it also um, Buffett also invests the float from insurance. So that's sort of the money that's been paid in and not yet been paid out in. Um, that's been paid in premiums and not yet been paid out in actual um, uh, insurance costs um, to invest in a number of stocks. Um, and so Buffett owns uh, American Express, Coca Cola, um, and IBM, and sort of a lot. Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo. You have to mention yeah, the of bank course, on of the course. Financial the financials. Show. We must mention Wells Fargo. <laughs> um, and uh, sort of. Uh, a significant percentage of some of these really big companies, like I, I think uh, Berkshire owns over nine percent of Coca-Cola. So you know, really, really big, big stocks. Um, Buffett and his vice chairman Munger, uh, Charlie Munger, are known for pithy commentary and just this sort of like long-term focus on investing. And they're they're really value investors. Um, they're also very Midwestern. 
Yes. In what way? They're very Midwestern in that they are they are plain folk. Oh yes, very. Um, who have a wily intelligence hidden behind a folksy demeanor. Uh, I would say th- those are all uh, those are all very accurate. Um, if you want to see a really well thought out um, investing philosophy, read Warren Buffett's annual letter to Berkshire shareholders. Uh, it's available on the Berkshire Hathaway website. Um, it's, and they actually have compilations of it on Amazon that you can find for cheap. Uh, it's a yeah. really good resource if you're just starting out investing. And a lot of his philosophy mirrors the Motley Fools, or perhaps we mirror his. I'm he not came, really he sure. He came first, so okay. yeah, well, we mirror his. This is um, not a chicken and the egg debate. The, <laughs> right. the chicken definitely came first. Yeah, uh, Buffett's been chairman <laughs> of uh, Berkshire Hathaway since 1965, uh, or CEO. Uh, since 1965, so uh, he he he's been around in this business for a long time, um, and one of the fascinating things about Berkshire Hathaway is that um, so within investing, people often talk about how difficult it is to pick stocks, how difficult it is to grow things faster than the market, unless you're day trading. Um, and what Warren Buffett has done with Berkshire Hathaway is he's grown the the book value of the company. Um, by nine over nineteen percent a year, um, and so it's just been this tremendous, Which is incredible. Again, if you are a new investor, yeah. the average growth for a company is not it's not around twenty percent. Right, the S and P grows by seven uh, to ten percent annually historically on average. Um, so it's just been this tremendous growth story, and he's really showed that by picking great businesses and picking great stocks, you can deliver outsized returns um, if you invest for the long term. So it's been so he is just. Sort of, uh, he was described by one shareholder as as Dumbledore um, in a in a, in a shareholder question, uh, and there may there were a few groans in the room, but uh, um, but you know it's very true that he is kind of the dean of long term investors um, these days. Originally trained by uh, influenced heavily by Ben Graham, um, who's kind of the father of modern value investing, um, and he's changed over a little bit to not just become sort of a strict value investor, um, but to also think about really good management and to be willing to even pay up a little bit for good management, like he did with Precision Cast Parts, which is the most recent major Berkshire Hathaway um, purchase. Thank you. I think this is a really good description of Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway, kind of Charlie Munger. Yeah. Um, Maybe a little long. Sorry about that. I can't help myself. You ramble. It's okay. Yeah. I knew that coming into this. Um, <laughs> I, I So, I just needed to take a brief break from the show uh, to mention to our listeners that we have a pretty rad 401k site that went live this morning. If you have any questions or need some help planning your 401k, it's a really pretty great resource. So, head on over to 401k.fool.com to check it out. Transitioning into the second part of our show, Let's. which I don't think I'm supposed to say aloud. I think it's just supposed to be in the notes. But just so you know, we're transitioning into the second part of our show. It's okay. In church, sometimes I just read the bulletin, so <laughs> that works. Um, what do you think was the most important thing Buffett said that individual investors should know about investing? Well, so it's it's really uh, it, it's I appreciate you asking that um, because it's the easiest question for me to answer, and that's because Warren Buffett said the most important investing lesson you could learn right now. Um, it, you know, he sort of very much telegraphed um, what exactly. Uh, that was. Um, he has this sort of long-standing famous bet um, with um, uh, protege partners, um, which he made back in 2006. And it's essentially, or is initiated by the New York Fund, which was over a decade predicting whether uh, the cumulative returns of five hedge funds picked or the S&P 500. Uh, Vanguard index would would win, and essentially Buffett's on the one side saying, "Listen, passive 
low-cost indexing wins against this sort of fee-heavy, hyperactive, hyper-reactive management style that hedge funds do. Um, and so far, and uh, it's it's not quite um, it's not quite finished, but so far he's winning three to one. We're talking sixty some percent gains versus twenty some percent gains. Um, I want to say it was a twenty one point nine percent return uh, so far as of the end of twenty fifteen versus sixty five point seven percent in the S and P five hundred, showing that passive investing works. That really, it's it's sort of not. It's not reacting to the day to day. It's not freaking out about what one quarter earnings means or another quarter earnings means, but really just sitting, watching, and letting it ride. Yeah, and that's cool that you mentioned Vanguard. Um, Vanguard is a very, very low cost way to invest. Mm-hmm. Um, their fees are so much lower than competitors. Most, I think a lot of other funds, their fees run around 1%, which mm-hmm. when you're investing is huge. And Vanguard is like 0.05, I believe, for their S&P. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tremendously low cost fund. Um, and, and the point that Buffett really made here was that for, for many investors, um, even for most investors, passive low cost indexing is, is simply the way to go because it you know, if you don't have the time to do sort of Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett style due diligence on a company, the answer really is uh, something simple um, and just not reacting and letting the growth compound over time. Well, let's talk about that real quick, though, yeah. because Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger talked about how they do their due diligence when they go to purchase a company. Right. Um, and it was kind of funny because the the question was sort of implying that they were doing something wrong. It sort of said, well, you know, you don't hire the lawyers and the consultants and look through the reams of paper and, you know, maybe how should that change? Um, and uh, Buffett and Munger were, were, were pretty upfront. They, they essentially said, listen, um, we don't sweat, sweat the small stuff. Um, you know, we've made investment mistakes. The investing mistakes we made would not have been found, uh, you know, we would not have been able to prevent those mistakes by looking through another 5,000 sheets of paper and looking at, you know, the lease um, the lease exit clauses on a bunch of stores. Um, what the the problem was more a predicting um, predicting where the company could be in a few years, um, predicting how management would react in a few years, um, and that's the sort of thing that you don't really get from from written sources. Um, and so, and they've talked a lot about the things that they look for when they're looking for a company. They're looking for good management. They're looking for a good business model, and. Those aren't really things that you can see on paper. Of course, I'm sure they check the fundamentals. Well, and I mean, think about this from, from financials, right? So you can look at your charge-off ratio, and that can be a useful proxy for a conservative credit uh, lending culture, right? I mean, it, it can be a useful proxy. So there are things you can find, but they don't require the sort of in-depth, like I'm going to read every email ever <laughs> by this company in my due diligence. Uh, and I'm setting up a bit of a straw man here, but um, I think the point still is that all too often, this is another point that they made, is all too often in negotiations, people sweat the small stuff, um, and then egos get involved, and then the, the deal falls apart. Whereas for them, it's really key that they get a good price for the, the company that they're buying, um, and have a good company. That's really about it. Um, and so it's it's not about sort of all these little minutia. It's really about getting the deal done at a price that that they think they can make good money off of. And it's hard to argue with fifty years of success. That's totally fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that actually also brings up another question: talking about buying businesses. Uh, 
Warren Buffett has talked in the past or spoken about in the past um, the difficulties of Berkshire Hathaway becoming so large. Mm -hmm. He says that it's becoming increasingly difficult to find businesses that he can purchase or invest in that will move the needle in a dramatic fashion for Berkshire. Right. Well, and it's interesting because um, if you if you read online about Buffett and Buffettisms and you know people talking about Warren Buffett and his wisdom, you'll often hear a lot about how Warren Buffett prefers non-capital intensive businesses, things like Seize Candy, where essentially they're just going to throw off a lot of cash pretty quickly, not require a lot of uh, intensive investment, um, and just go ahead and just make money for you. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, it was I think it was Munger actually who said in response to a question about like why has that changed? He said, "Well, times changed, and reluctantly, our minds did too." Um, and so, as Berkshire's gotten bigger, they have um, they've had to go for these sort of big capital-intensive businesses because that's the only thing that's big enough to actually move that needle anymore. And so, that's why you're seeing things like Precision Cast Parts, BNSF, the the uh, railway, um, entering the Buffett portfolio. And both of those are acquisitions in the last six years. Precision Cast Parts, in fact, closed earlier this year. Um, and that's uh, that's just the only way that they can really get the returns. And 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 Buffett actually sort of signposted if they're unable to get. Uh, future acquisitions like that, if they start finding that more and more difficult, they may raise their um, the floor for their share repurchase. Right now, uh, the rule at Berkshire Hathaway is, um, you know, we will probably, I mean, they never say guarantee, but they will probably start purchasing stock at 1.2 times book value um, because they believe that the intrinsic value of the business is much more than that 1.2x. If they're unable to deploy capital more effectively elsewhere, they might end up, you know, raising that threshold to. I mean, I don't know. I'm making up a number here: 1.3x, 1.4x. Who knows? Um, but um, I think that would be a sign that growth is really going to slow, sort of more permanently. Um, and so I hope that they don't do that. I hope that they're able to still keep taking out their elephant guns and finding uh, companies like Precision Cast Parts. And they said they would love to find three or four more businesses like that. Yeah, this is something that Ber- that uh, Warren Buffett has talked about in the past. That this is an advantage that individual investors have over Berkshire Hathaway, that they can invest in things and it'll make a huge difference as opposed to Berkshire Hathaway, which... Right. I mean, you've got a 300 and... I don't know what the price is today, but it's a roughly $360 billion market cap company. You know, if if you buy out a $150 million market cap company, how much is that really going to move the needle? Um, If you invest... Half a billion dollars in another stock. How much of that is going to move the needle? So really, they have to kind of look for these really big, um, these really big stocks or big companies to go after. And um, Buffett's also been up been up front about the fact that he you know killed the S and P back in the back in the sixties and seventies. It's just been a lot tougher since then. I have a question. Did anyone ask any questions about some of the more I don't know some of the businesses that Berkshire's invested in that maybe aren't doing so hot right now, like uh, American Express, or um, railroad companies in general aren't doing great. Yeah, so there there were a fair number of questions about sort of incoming competitive threats, um, and um, railroads. Uh, Buffett was upfront that you know coal is in a decline, uh, and that is going to affect all the railroads, including BNSF. Um, and so no matter how well BNSF manages. Um, you know, 
That's, I, sorry, just a break for our listeners. Um, railroads transport a lot of coal. That's yeah. where they get the majority of their income from. Yeah, I, I want to say it's, uh, I, I, I think I read a stat, it was something like 40% of freight volume in 2014. So, it's big. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, that BNSF is going to report probably lower revenue through the rest of this year compared to last year. And, you know, that that is probably a trend that will continue. Um he uh, he also uh, did talk a little bit about American Express. I mean, um, the the general feeling I got was that they're very much in wait and see mode um, over um, the various companies that people see threats on in, and and that they're pretty confident that those companies are going to do just fine moving forward, um, given the overall secular sector trends. Um, but I think it's one of those things where we'll just kind of have to wait and see. And again. Um, I don't tend to be that deferential to management uh, because I think all too often management sort of has their own reason for wanting to present things a certain way. Um, with Buffett, I'm, I'm really not so concerned about that. You know, he's got a estimated sixty billion dollar net worth, and he's in his eighties, and he pretty much does what he wants. So um, yeah, he's so, like he's a final term president essentially. Right. So I don't think he's too. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think he has feels much need to spin. Um, and so I'm inclined to be pretty deferential and just say, you know, it's good enough for Buffett as a Berkshire shareholder personally. It's good enough for me. That is a that's a resounding endorsement. Yes. So uh, just to close the episode, I would like you to pick the best quote that you heard from the meeting. Sure. <laughs> uh, and and I'm not going to be able to quote it perfectly, but um, there was a, a shareholder who was a, a cattle rancher. Um, who well here I'll pick two so so yeah because okay. you know why not um, so the first one was there's a shoulder as a, a cattle rancher who was basically like so what do you think of cattle as an investment <laughs> and Charlie Munger said I'll take this one and he, and, and he said something like I can't think of a worse business um, oh. and and he, yeah and he just like laid it down I mean the thing is like Munger so Buffett talks around things a lot sort of like I do uh, Munger is the master of the one liner I mean when he just when he says something it's just like boom that. That right there, that's the quote. Um, there was uh, another thing, and it wasn't for the response itself, but uh, I think I mentioned earlier a shareholder was talking a lot about how Warren Buffett is Dumbledore and Berkshire Hathaway is Hogwarts, and this sort of long extended metaphor about long term investing and magic. Um, and, and once he finished his, his question, Warren Buffett said, Well, I haven't read Harry Potter, but I'll take that as a compliment. Uh, <laughs> and it was just sort of a, him being like, Sure, you know, that's, that's fine. I'll, I'll answer your question now. Um, so yeah, it was it was a, a really a really good time. It was great to see so much energy. I mean, people had been lining up since the wee hours of the morning, um, and it, it, it's it's really cool to see, you know, twenty thirty thousand people at you know seven seven thirty a.m. wide awake and excited and really happy. I mean, that is something you know I never saw pretty much ever so um, it was a really it was a really cool thing to to see and to experience that firsthand yeah and I bet it must have been wild seeing the century link like completely completely filled yeah uh, well and, and not not completely there were there were definitely uh, some bear patches but they were still pretty darn small and you know there's always been the so they they streamed it online in part to help oh you know, and this is the first year that they that they streamed it yep which is very exciting. I know that we, we, the Motley Fool, personally decided to send less people as a result of the um, streaming. streaming. And yeah. when I say less people, I mean 19 less people. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but it was, um, 
but I, I, I've always wondered, you know, it was rainy and kind of cold. So I'm wondering if a lot of the, the, the drop off was also people saying, you know, getting out of bed, looking outside and be like, eh, not today. <laughs> um, certainly that was, that was one of the rumors going around. Um, but yeah, it was a, uh, really a fantastic, um, get together. Really cool to see all these CEOs of Berkshire companies just available and answering questions. Yeah, I got to meet the CEO of uh, Dairy Queen. Um, got to see just a ton of people in R and D and management positions, just just talking to normal folks. Um, and that was um, really kind of a unique experience. This is like, this would be like a. a- 12 year old girl meeting Britney Spears back in the 90s this is this is the sense that I'm getting from Michael Douglas <laughs> am I fanboying that hard a little, a little bit yeah. it's okay though um and I think a question that that comes up every year um I don't know if anyone's been brave enough to ask Warren Buffett directly yet mm-hmm. is you know he's getting older Charlie Munger's older than he is how do how do they see that playing out for the future of the company yeah so there was there was sort of a question about it um, and it was essentially so Ajit Jain um, ha- is taking over more and more of the insurance mm-hmm. part of Berkshire um, and so the implication there was kind of, uh, the question was a little wandering but the implication there was kind of, hey what does this tell us about succession? And Buffett essentially said the fact that Ajit Jain is taking over more insurance is a sign that Ajit Jain is very good at insurance <laughs> And you should read nothing into Berkshire's succession plans from it. Fair enough. That yep. sounds like a Warren Buffett response to that question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing what I want. Deal with it. <laughs> Respectfully, yes. Um, okay, that is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for, for coming onto the show. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate it. Uh, for our listeners, the mailbag episode is coming up. Send me your questions. I'll answer anything you might have questions about, but especially related to financial matters or personal finance. I guess I can also answer questions about baking and osteology if you really want to know my opinions on those things. I have them. I have so many opinions. I have opinions on everything. Not everything. That's not true. I have opinions on bad pop music, so happy to talk about that anytime. <laughs> Fair enough. If you have any bad questions about bad pop music, sorry, if you have any questions. Any there's great no, questions there's about no bad pop There's no bad music. questions. I have to say that. I used to teach. There's no bad questions unless the answer's in the syllabus. Then it's a bad question. Sorry. I just I got a lot of student emails yeah, that no. could have easily been answered by just reading the syllabus. Yep. Anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for joining us today. As usual, people on the program may have interest in stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell based solely on what you hear. Contact us at industryfocus at fool.com or by tweeting us at mfindustryfocus, uh, especially with those questions that I know you want to send me. <laughs> Let us know if you have any questions about Berkshire Hathaway, and we'll try and answer them. Everyone have a great week.